Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Don't miss Brentford versus Man United on Saturday Night Football. Live only on Sky Sports. It is Thursday's football show. Nathan with you. John Giles coming up in just a moment. But it's still St. Patrick's Athletic nil. Seska Sophia won on the night in Tala. There's 20 minutes remaining. It's one all on aggregate. So as it stands in the Europa Conference League qualifier, it is going to extra time. How we get across to Stephen Doyle in a few minutes on that. Sligo Rovers really their European campaign was over last week when they were beaten 5-1 by Viking but they have ended on a high uh, a 1-0 victory tonight uh, against Viking so 5-2 on a good victory this evening for Sligo Rovers uh, Live commentary continues of the Premier League this Sunday on Off the Ball it is Nottingham Forest against West Ham first up uh, we will have Brian Kerr and Richie McCormick talking you through that one and then the biggest game of the season so far Chelsea against Spurs and that is going to be with Steve-O and he'll be alongside Vinnie Perth for that one from Stamford Bridge. Now, John Giles is on the line. Good evening, John. Evening, Nathan. So, opening weekend of the season done and the more things change, the more they say the same for Manchester United. A disastrous start for Eric Ten Hag. Uh, beaten 2-1 last weekend by Brighton, but totally outclassed for long periods of the game. Uh, very lucky that it was just 2-1, that there wasn't a penalty given against them. Maybe Scott McTominay could have got sent off. Uh, it's hard to think how it could have gone much worse for Ten Hag. Well, it was very, it was very poor, uh, Nathan, as, as, as you quite rightly say. There, you know, there's a new manager, Ten Hag. I don't know what he's looking for in the lead-up to it, uh, Nathan, because he's still got the Ronaldo problem, and mm-hmm. it is a big problem. Uh, as we know, last week he played a friendly match, I think, and he was taken off in the second half and went home uh, before the players came in. You know, you, you can't put up with that and then play him again on, on the weekend. You know, it's... it's uh, it's, you look, you're looking for morale in the team. He's a new manager. He's trying to get the players in. He has hardly any players in, to be quite honest. So we don't know whether he's being backed in the, in the transfer market or not. But with the players that he has at his, at his disposal, uh, like the, the, he has to make his, his mind up about Ronaldo. Mm. I see Danny Murphy had an article in the paper last week and Graham Souness in, in uh, I think, the same paper. Graham was for Ronaldo staying at the club and Danny Murphy was against Ronaldo staying at the club. And I must say, I'd have to go with Danny Murphy on that, Nathan. You think he should go? I think he should go. I mean, there's an old saying, in the, you know, there's no player bigger than the club. And it's getting to the stage now, or it has been the last few weeks, that Ronaldo seems to be able to do what he wants to do. Uh, his, his agent apparently has a, a deal lined up and Manchester United won't release him or won't sell him. So he's got to make his mind up what he's going to do. If it was my choice, I would I would sell him out of the club and start from scratch then. The starting from scratch might be the difficulty, it seems, for Ten Hag. As you say, has he been backed in the transfer market? There was speculation last weekend that they were going to go after Marco Arnautovic, you know, well into his 30s, never set the world alight. Certainly doesn't look like a player of the calibre for a Manchester United of the world. That he almost has to keep Ronaldo because he doesn't have anybody else or is Ronaldo now just such a toxic influence that he's better off having having nobody to lead the line a, a Christian Eriksen playing a false nine than having Cristiano Ronaldo around the club well I, I think the first move would be to, to get Ronaldo out of the club and then 
look and see what you've got after that. I don't think I don't think they're ever going to get anywhere with Ronaldo. Ronaldo obviously wants to go. He stated to the club ages ago that he wanted to go. I think his agent has a deal lined up. You, you can't run a club like that, uh, 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 Nathan. You know, you have you, what's 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 morale? What, how do you create a good morale in the club? It's everybody pulling together and playing for the team, playing for the club, and you get a team spirit. Well, if you've got a player like Ronaldo, an outstanding player like him, and a personality who obviously has stated that he wants to get away, he uh, he leaves the, the the club last week before the, the players came in from the pitch. It's like you can't you can't run a club like that. I mean, if you look at all the great managers, you go back to Ferguson. Ferguson wouldn't stand for anything like that. And you, you, you have to lay down the law that this is this is what you're going to do. I know it's only he's only new. He's only just come in. Whether he's been backed in the transfer market, we don't know. But we do know about the Ronaldo problem. And mm. it shouldn't be a problem now. That problem should be taken out of the way as quickly as possible. Looking at the players who started the game then and what Ten Hag was trying to do, and maybe Ronaldo not being available is a big part of that, but starting with Christian Eriksen as that sort of false nine, as they call it, so no out-and-out striker, and Eriksen playing as the most advanced player... It, did that ever look like it was going to work? I don't think so, Nathan. I mean, we know what Eriksson, what type of player Eriksson is, and he's a very, very good midfield player. And again, it's only common sense. You play your best players in the best position. So it, it, it certainly didn't make sense to me. Uh, and then I think when things were bad, uh, they put him back in, in, in the holding midfield player position. It's, 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 not a, it's a very bad sign, actually, for a new manager to actually be doing things like that. Now, he is new. He hasn't been there a long time. But you don't have to be along, there a long time to know the Ronaldo situation and the, and the best best position for, for Ericsson. You know, they, they weren't playing, you know, uh, Barcelona at their best. Mm. Uh, you know, this is... Uh, uh, playing Brighton, who are a very, very well-organized side. But Brighton weren't lucky, as, as we, we said early on, Nathan, in, to win the match. They won the match well and could have won it by more. I mean, how they didn't get a penalty and, and McTominay sent off, you mentioned early on, uh, was was unbelievable. So it wasn't a, a lucky win by Brighton. It, Brighton were the better team. And, uh, you know, Manchester United were well beaten. So he's a lot to do. And how um, many players has he brought in, Nathan? Well, he brought in uh, Lissandro Martinez at yeah. the back uh, and he obviously started centre back Terrell Malaysia who is a uh, left back uh, full back and then Christian Eriksen well you know they, they they obviously need more than that mm. and I know he hasn't been there a long time but you would have thought in the time that he's been there he would get two or three signings in really really top class signings and the and you mentioned earlier on the players he went for a couple of the players he went for uh, would be what I would consider to be top players for a manager, I mean, and again, you have to ask Nathan: Is he in charge? Is he in charge of who's coming and gone? Yeah, we, you know, we don't know. I mean, at the moment, if I was having a guess, I'd say no. Ronaldo's still there, and players that haven't come in, uh, you know, is he in charge of it? It doesn't, it doesn't look like it. And and a manager coming in in the position that Manchester United in has to be totally in charge of who to get rid of and who to bring in. And that doesn't seem to be the case. And it's very, very difficult. It's a very difficult job for him anyway. But if he's not getting the support, then it's, 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 it's going to get worse. It does look as though 
they've wasted the summer chasing Frankie de Jong for that central midfield position that he doesn't want to go to the club and that they will have to go further down their list maybe to Adrian Rabiot uh, maybe they end up with somebody else as well but the current midfield uh, always takes a huge amount of criticism Fred and Scott McTominay and it was a similar situation in terms of their quality if you put a top class midfielder alongside them so not every good team has world class players in every position but if you were to put one in if you were to put a, a Declan Rice or a Frankie de Jong alongside a Fred or Scott McTominay are they good enough to play in a, in a good team are they just not anywhere near the level of, of, of the good midfielders that you see well, if you if you got a top midfield player in, uh, Nathan, it would improve the, the situation. There's no doubt about that. But what's, what's happened to Fernandez? You know, he hasn't kicked a ball for them. I didn't all I see him is moaning and groaning about it. But of course, if you got a top midfield player in, the more and the more you get in, the better. Obviously, it would be a help. But I don't think it'd be enough. Just one coming in. They need about. I think they need about four or five mm. top class players coming into Manchester United to make them the club that they, they, they're expected to be. I mean, this is Manchester United. You know, they should have top players coming into the club. Look at the players Liverpool are bringing in. And Manchester City. Oh, they're spending money and they're the top clubs. So in Manchester United's case, they don't, they, they're, they're starting from scratch, really, with the players that they have. But I, I could never see my Tommy or Fred being good enough, really good enough to compete against Liverpool and Manchester United. Uh, sorry, Manchester City mm. for Manchester United. They just they just don't have the players at the moment, and, and they don't look like getting them. That's the problem. You mentioned Brighton. Just a quick word on them because it was a, their performance was obviously completely overshadowed by the Manchester United side of it, and and Graham Potter and the job that he's doing there. It, it, it does feel like only a matter of time before he gets one of the good gigs. Well, he's been fantastic, uh, Nathan. You know, he he lost one of his top players there to Chelsea, didn't he? The mm. fullback. Yeah. In, in the summer, and 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 he's still producing. They're a team, you know. You you you. It's probably none of them individually were good into the Manchester United team, but he has them playing as a team. Good balance, good balance in the team, good good organisation. Uh, and on on the game on, on at the weekend, they were they were, they were, there was no look about them. You know, they they won it they won it won it well, Nathan. So that's good management. Now, to be fair to the, to, to the new manager coming in at Manchester United, he's had little or no time to really put his stamp on it. But but I go back to the Ronaldo session. He could have put a stamp, could have put his stamp on that, and maybe maybe get one, another one or two top players in. But we don't know the situation with the board, whether they're backing him or not. Uh, Nathan, that's that's the problem. The first thing they've got to do is get a manager in who they're going to give control, go to back, go, go, have to back. And that doesn't look like the case at the moment. And if, if that doesn't improve, the situation can only get worse. And it doesn't look like they want that manager at Manchester United. When you think of when Antonio Conte was available, and I know a lot of Manchester United supporters, a lot of the pundits felt, well, you know, he's not a he's not a Manchester United manager anyways because of the style of football that he likes to play, but also a feeling that he's so demanding that the United hierarchy just couldn't cope with that. Whereas you look at what he's doing already with Tottenham, listen, I know it's one week of the season, but even what he did at the latter end of last season, it looks like such a missed opportunity. Oh, it was he, he was there for the taking, Nathan. And I saw a comment from one of the directors or owners of the club where he said, the group of players we have at Manchester United doesn't suit Conte. You know, I mean, this is absolute nonsense of football. 
when it, it's the manager that wants the players in that he wants, not the other way round, Nathan. In other words, if he comes in with the players that he has at, uh, at Chelsea and other clubs that he's been at, right? he didn't get new players straight away. He made the best of what was there. Um, and if, he, if neither got him in with the players that they had, actually they were very talented players, I think he would have made a team of them, a really top team. But I don't think they wanted a Conte coming in because Conte would insist or demand that he would be in charge of the, the comings and goings of the players, like he has done at Tottenham. I don't think any of the managers of Tottenham had the power that he has now. And look what he's doing with them. You know, from the time he's come in, he, he, he qualified for the Champions League. This is from, from scratch. And here's Manchester United rolling along, getting get nowhere, unless they give this man, uh, if, if he is the right man, the power to do what needs to be done. The way they're going, it doesn't look like that. Uh, hold with us there for a second, John. I want to go to Tala because uh, St. Pat's are playing Seska Sofia in the Conference League. Uh, Stephen Doyle should be there. Stephen, has been another goal. Yes, it's gone to the visitors, Nathan. It's St. Pat's nil, Seskia two. And it all came from a very controversial free kick over at the right touchline. The St. Pat's bench absolutely outraged when the right back uh, went down for a free kick after a challenge by Atakai, the uh, St. Pat's sub. Uh, turrets off the man who went down wins the free kick and after a, a prolonged treatment spell uh, he really did look okay to be honest with you um, they took the free kick and a crossfield ball into the goal scorer Maurizio and it came off uh, Maurizio and it came up then off the uh, St. Pat's defender's hand uh, Brockbank the right back and he can't really have any complaints because it came off his hand he was kind of putting his hand out and then also had a little tug at the jersey of Maurizio referee pointed to the spot and the ball just to add insult to injury was uh, put into the back of the net from the penalty spot by Turitsov the man that won that controversial free kick so 83 minutes on the clock Pats need a goal to stay in the tie to take it to extra time it is St. Patrick's Athletic nil Seskia Sofia 2 yeah so they need a goal they need a goal desperately St. Patrick's Athletic uh, John Giles is with us we're just talking about Antonio Conte and uh, Tottenham started the season 4-1 victory coming from behind to beat Southampton uh, it is the first week so everyone's uh, allowed to make uh, wild assumptions of what's going to happen but looking at that Tottenham squad uh, John, like, do you think that they can aspire for more than just a Champions League place? Like, is there enough there that potentially they could uh, keep pace with Manchester City and Liverpool? Um, I'm not. I, I'm, I wouldn't be sure that they keep pace with the two top teams, Nathan. But I think they. I think they'll be up there. You know, they, I think that there won't be there won't be any easy matches against Spurs, and he's got better players in now as well. So. I don't think they'll be yet good enough to, to, to uh, challenge the top teams. But I think they'll be better than they were last year. Mm. Uh, and they're moving in the right direction. Right, they scored four goals at the weekend and none of them were scored by Harry Kane or mm. Hyungmin Son. There's a, mm. a depth to that squad and a maybe a depth of character as well that other players are now starting to step up to take a bit of responsibility off Kane and Son. I'd have no doubt uh, that that would be the case. Well, they, they, they bought Rick Allison, didn't they? Mm. Allison, uh, from, from, from Everton, from Everton yeah. you know, for 50, 50 mil. Uh, I think he was injured. Yeah, he was suspended uh, for the last weekend. weekend, yeah. But, you know, if, if either of those... I, funny enough, I've never been a, a big uh, big fan of his, to be quite honest, uh, Nathan, so I was surprised that he bought him. But, but he is a good player, and he, he'd be a good stand-in uh, for either Son or, or Harry Kane. Yeah. 
Well, there's a bit of nastiness in Richarlison as well, John. They mix it around a little bit, you know? Yeah. I was just saying there's a bit of... I think the other players that he brought, I think he brought four players in last year and they were very good. Never really heard much about them before and he brought another couple in now, Nathan. But, But, you know, Conte knows what he's doing. He knows the players that he wants. Now, he's got Levy backing him. He's getting the players in that he does want. So... They'll be a threat, and they'll be very, very difficult to beat, Nathan, by any by any team. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, John, uh, because we haven't even got to Manchester City or Liverpool yet, and I know you've got thoughts on Leeds as well. We'll take that quick break, and we'll get more from John in a moment. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Don't miss Brentford versus Man United on Saturday Night Football. Live, only on Sky Sports. Into the final couple of minutes in Tala and St. Pat's. 2-0 down against CSKA Sofia. So 2-1 on aggregate. Controversial penalty uh, for the Bulgarian side inside the last 10 minutes. Turitsov scored it and Pat's need a goal. We'll be across for the full time with Stephen Doyle in a couple of minutes' time. But John Giles is still on the line. Uh, so I speak about sort of wild pronouncements after the first weekend. A lot of people feeling the title's already done and dusted. Liverpool drop points. Manchester City win. And early Erling Haaland proves, after a disappointing Community Shield, John, that he is very much the real deal with his two-goal brace. What did you make of Haaland's performance last weekend? I thought he was outstanding, uh, Nathan. He's, he's, he's finishing on I mean, him. He made the penalty for himself because he was so quick getting to the, the, the little through ball uh, that he was after and, and enticed the keeper. I think the keeper felt very, very confident that he was going to get it. But he was so quick that he got to the ball first and the... Uh, the, and the the, the Goldman pulled him down, as we know. Uh, and the second one uh, from play was very, very impressive. Uh, I think it was the Brino ball through. And it was amazing the way he did it. Now, he's obviously left-footed, uh, and the ball was on his right foot. And he did a big swing around the ball with the pace that he has, so he didn't lose anything, to get it on the inside of his left foot. You don't see many people doing that, but it, uh, it's his pace. Uh, his pace is one of the, his big attributes, mm. because... If you have the pace that he has, he gets the ball quickly. There's more time on the ball than most players have, especially when the goalkeeper's coming out. And he certainly has the confidence to do it. I thought that the second goal was, was brilliantly taken. The penalty he took away, no problem. But the second goal was, it was a, a through ball that he fin- finished up on the right-hand side of him. He was able to run around it to get it under his favourite left foot and, and get a better angle at the ball. It was real top-class finishing. And I think he scored a lot of goals for them, Nathan. Yeah, was real top class finishing. Like everything you yeah. want from a striker, where even though it's happening at a hundred miles an hour, and he it feels like it's moving at a hundred miles an hour. Everything just seems to slow down around him. He's able to take it on at his own pace. Which you know, from listening to you talk about great strikers you've seen that you played with that you played against, like that's their greatest attribute that they can. Everything slows down when they get in that position. Oh yeah, but they they they, they, they they're able to create a position, Nathan. That uh, you know, it looks easy. You know, when he was tucking the ball away for the second goal, uh, it looked like, well, it's easy. He's on his left foot, and the goalkeeper's lo- lo- always looking a million, a million miles away from the, from the ball. Uh, that's all the great strikers do, if you look at them over the years. But I think he's especially good because he's so, he's so quick, and he's so powerful. Uh, I think he'll get a lot of goals in the air as well. But he's really good on the ground, and he's what, I think he's about six foot, six foot five or something, yeah, Nathan. Yeah, six five, and yeah. You don't get lads... If that size is as well balanced and as quick as he is, I 
think it'd be a, 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 a huge success for them. They've made some changes over the summer with Raheem Sterling going to Chelsea, uh, Gabriel Jesus going to Arsenal. It looks as though Bernardo Silva uh, surprisingly might be on his way to Barcelona. Zinchenko left as well. And along with Erling Haaland, it's only Calvin Phillips that has come in. Did you see anything different from City last Sunday? Uh, Not really, uh, Nathan. I'd be amazed if um, uh, Silva goes. Mm. I think I, 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 if I had been for what it's worth, I would have I would have um, sold um, uh, the lad to, to Chelsea. Sterling, um, Sterling. I would have sold Sterling. For, I don't think he was he was doing it occasionally, more for England than he was for for Manchester City. So there was something. I think he wanted to get away, and I think he was right, right to let him go. But I wouldn't let uh, Silver go at all. But um, but but what was it? I. They won well against West Ham. West Ham had a few injuries, Nathan. But to be honest, no, I wasn't impressed with City at the weekend. Now, people were making a big deal of the possession and the passes. They had 831 passes, Nathan. Mm. And they scored two goals, right? Now, I think if you're making that many passes, you should be scoring more goals from them. But there were passes that made... What's happening to them a lot, they paid to, 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 to Grealish... The good, good passing, get to Grealish, and nine times out of ten, Grealish pulls out of it, passes it back, and they finish up at the back at the halfway line again. That's why there were so many passes. But my, my take on it would be when Grealish gets it, you've got to insist, take the full back on. Well, that's all your good passing, get into a position, or folding on the other side. As soon as they've got to take the full back on, it's no good pulling out of it and starting all over again. Of course, there's a lot of possession. But when you're playing against the better teams, you've got to take, after getting into that position, you've got to take them on and make goals and chances from that particular position. So I think that it looks good with the amount of pass they had, but I think the amount of pass that went to Grealish and Fulham, Grealish in particular, you know, shouldn't have been another 10 passes, 15 passes in the game. Grealish should be doing his stuff, taking them on, scoring goals himself, but particularly taking them getting them across, maybe getting a corner kick, but you've got to make the, the move when you've had that many passes into the into the wingers. That's what they're there for. Mm. Guardiola seems to think and take the opposite point of view to that conventional wisdom of, as you say, maybe the best way of unsettling a defence is to run at them, to get them disorganised. He's often spoken about this sort of 15-pass rule that he has, that uh, it's impossible to carry out a transition between defence and attack without 15 passes and that in those 15 passes you totally disorganise the opposition defence and that's what breaks them down. So possession yeah. possession for possession's sake, some, may, so look, some look, might look at it. He seems to look at it actually that he feels that possession is the best way of yeah. getting through an opposition defence. Well, he's, he's a great manager. He's proved to be a great manager, Nathan. But the, what, what, he, what he's actually saying there would, would be against all the things I believed in and was told about when I was a kid with Jimmy Murphy when I was at Manchester United. Jimmy Murphy told me, when, when the ball's played here, you've got to get turned, and the first thing you look for is a through ball. That's the first thing you look for. Now, if, if a through ball's not on, then you do something else. But that's the first thing you look for, you know? And, 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 and always be looking when you get the ball at any time. Can you put somebody through? Can you put somebody through? I think what Pep is saying there, you're going, we're going to have 16 passes before we get into a, an attacking, really attacking position. And, and that's what they're doing. I mean, they, they had 831 passes in the match, mm. and they scored two goals. 
you know, now they still they won the match well. Now West Ham weren't at their best; they had a few injuries. I, I think, uh, um, sorry, City were going to beat them anyway. But I don't agree with the principle. I agree with the principle of, of, of sometimes it takes sixteen passes to get where you want to be. But but I wouldn't look, look at it as a policy. I'd say get the, get the ball out to Grealish and the winger, whoever it might be. Get the balls out to them if they're on, and let them do their stuff from there with the fullbacks or. You have a great midfield player. Like Brian is a, uh, De Bruyne is a great uh, passer of the ball. He sees a pass. For him to go on the ball, the first thing you look for, kind of stick howling through, or anybody else for that matter. And if you can't, then you play another one. Then you play another. Sometimes you play 16, but you wouldn't set out to play 16, Nathan. I don't believe in that. There's, there's times you have to do it, but I think the first thing you're looking for is the first one. Can you put somebody through? Mm. Then if you don't, you have to play it again and again. But I, but I think what's happened with, with City, with the amount of passes, 831, you get it out to Grealish, and if you go back on the match, loads of times, loads of times he went down to Grealish, he pulled out of it with his right foot, played it back, and before you know, it's back in City's half. You're and that's not, passing. You're, but you're not going anywhere. Grealish should be taking the, the full-back on, or forward, whoever's on the other side, should be taking the full-backs on and making goals from that position. It is going to be a fascinating job. From my own, what I played, I tried to play when I was playing, and was was told to play by Jimmy Murphy particularly. That if I was playing the Leeds team with Eddie Gray on one side and Peter Roman, you were Bremen and myself, you do that, you get it out to them, now they have to do their stuff. Mm. Eddie Gray would beat, beat it, Peter Lorimer would only need it half a yard to get the ball across. That's the end product of what, what, how you get into that position in the first place. If you get the wingers like Grealish particularly pulling out, giving it back, giving it back again, and before you know you're back in City's half, that's why they had so many passes. But you're not going anywhere on that. And, and you should be making the most of the position that you get in about the opponent's box. In my, in my, that's my take on it. And I can see, I think uh, he's a great manager, as Guardiola, but to say that, you know, you're looking for 16 passes to... I don't, um, I don't, I don't see the... the the, the common sense in that, Nathan, for what it's worth. Uh, it's worth plenty, John. We'll come back to Manchester City. I just want to go across the tala because the full-time whistle has gone and Pats are out of Europe, Steve. They sure are, Nathan. It's finished there. St. Patrick's Athletic nil, Seskia Sofia 2. And the match is finished with a bit of a brawl on the pitch because it was a very bad-tempered game, you'd have to say, right throughout. And uh, both teams really were, you know shall we say, a bit of grit housing, Nathan, going on during the game. And um, there was a few cards divvied out by the ref, uh, fair enough. But it was just a read, there was a, an underlying kind of a bad feeling to this game. And at the full-time whistle, there was a bit of a set-to between Adam O'Reilly, Jamie Lennon was getting involved, the two St. Pat's midfielders, and also the left-back from Seskia Sofia, De Neuer, who we think has got a red card. And uh, he was out uh, walking over to the far side of the pitch after the referee came in when the both sets of players are coming to stand up for each other and um, it looked like Adam O'Reilly got a red card for St. Pat's and a big coming together between the two teams supporters really enraged by what was going on and some of uh, the play acting going on with the Seskia team right throughout this game but uh, Denoyer was brought over to this near side of the pitch and uh, it looked like there was a, a bit of a something went on between himself and Chris Forrester the uh, St. Pat's playmaker then Forrester ended up holding his face 
and all of a sudden Denoyer was grabbed by the scruff of the neck by one of his own uh, backroom team and uh, scooted off the pitch as quick as possible and out to the dressing rooms. So we've had a red card to both sides to finish off the game, but look, ultimately, St. Pat's will be really disappointed that they couldn't threaten the Seskia goal enough during that game. They did get through, they were penetrating into the final third, but they just couldn't get the right man on the ball. Adam O'Reilly found himself in the attacking third three or four times, a brilliant chance to either shoot a goal himself or set somebody else up, and you're kind of thinking Owen Doyle was the man that you needed in those situations because he didn't get on the ball enough tonight, and of course, as we know, he was the man they really spent their budget on at the start of the season. Owen Doyle coming in from uh, the English First Division and a brilliant career he's had over in England but he just didn't get enough chances tonight to shoot that goal none in fact it was always Adam O'Reilly who really is a holding midfielder and was the wrong man in those situations but the first goal coming in the 11th minute header at the back post from Maurizio and uh, that really uh, after that Pats grew into the game they were the much better team you'd have to say throughout and uh, came on the second half played another or another really good performance in that second half but uh, the second goal killed him really that controversial free kick given to Seskia Sofia from that across-field pass into the box. Maurizio was, uh, tried to control the ball in his knee, came up, hit the hand of Brock Bank, uh, the right-back for St. Pat's, and then he had a little bit of a tug in the shirt, and you couldn't really argue about the penalty being given, and it was slotted home by the man who went down for that controversial free kick, uh, the right-back uh, Turitsov, and that made it 2-0 with uh, about eight minutes to go, and Pat's just, just couldn't find that chance to uh, level the match on aggregate, so it's finished. 2 in all the night to Seski Sophia. They go through 2-1 on aggregate. All right, thanks a lot for that, Steve-O. Yeah, looking at the replay, uh, incredibly harsh decision on Pat's ball. Clearly comes off uh, the opposition attacker first and deflects onto the hand of the Pat's defender. Uh, really shouldn't have been a penalty kick. And they go out of Europe. Uh, John Giles, so this means Shamrock Rovers the only team standing in Europe, John? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough go. Uh, but I think Rovers, Rovers are... Look like a very very good side, Nathan. I, I don't see I don't see much of the League of Ireland teams, mm. to be honest. But um, I think Rovers are, are the best bet. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, guaranteed now to be in the group stage of the Conference League as well. Um, so you probably see a bit more of them actually over the next few months. They'll probably be on TV in England as well. I'd imagine once that starts. Uh, let's wrap up on yeah. last weekend, John. Um, Liverpool then. Uh, a one-all draw with Fulham. So we saw Liverpool the week before and it was a real high-energy, right-at-it performance against Manchester City in the Community Shield. And then even Jurgen Klopp himself admitted that their attitude looked to be all off against Fulham. Uh, Never got to the pace of the game and in the end were quite fortunate, it seemed, to come away with that 2-2 draw. Um, Well, you'd have to give Fulham a great deal of credit, uh, Nathan. They 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 were typical of a team a good team coming out of the, the second division, first home match against a team like Liverpool to make it very, very, very difficult for them. They're going to be a difficult team to beat. Uh, this Marco Silva, I think, has done a good job with Fulham. Mm. And it was just the, their spirit. They were never going to uh, give Chelsea, uh, sorry, Liverpool any room to play. And that, that's a, a, a typical performance from a, a good second division team playing the likes of Liverpool in their first home match. I can only go back on my own experience when we were when we were when I went to when at Leeds and we got promotion, and we were straight into it, uh, Nathan. You know, making it difficult for the opposition, and that's what Fulham did. And I think they'll continue to do that, uh, and I think they'll they'll do well. I think they caught Liverpool by surprise a little bit, and uh, they could have won the match in the end. Uh, but Liverpool, being the great team that they are, you know, 
got the draw from it. So you don't, there's any reason to panic just yet? No, 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 not at all. I mean, they've got Nunes, the new lad in, one of the new lads in, looks a real, real winner, mm. Nathan. I think the couple of players that Liverpool, again, got through in the summer to strengthen them uh, will prove to be really top-class players for them. What about in midfield? Uh, Thiago is injured again and they've had consistent problems uh, with him and injury since he arrived at the club. When he gets a run of games, he does look top class, but he just hasn't had enough of them. And it, it did feel that Henderson and Thiago, it all just seemed a little bit slow in midfield. Is, is that an area where they could find some trouble this season? Well, th- th- I don't think they've had a really, really top class midfield player with all their successes. And they've never had a Graeme Souness, for example, you know? Not many teams do, uh, but they're they're all good players, but they don't have that classic midfield player that dictates matters for them. But they've such such really really top class players at the back and at the front, uh, Nathan, that they get through on it. But I think and I have thought, and I think they're a great team. Liverpool have been for a few years. They're really really general in the middle of the pitch. Would, would would really make them unbeatable, I think. Mm. But they haven't. I mean, uh, as you mentioned, the players there, a lot of good players, they're good players, but you can't see any of them say, well, this fellow's going to dominate in the middle of the field. But they're a good all-round team. But they, I think they, they need somebody like that to be to be even better, unbeatable near, nearly, if they had a, a general in the middle of the field. Field that gets on the ball, uh, distributes it well, knows when to hold it, knows when to distribute it. Graham Souness could do that brilliantly, but there's not many Graham Souness around. No. Uh, but, you know, they, they, so many Salah and, and Firmino, uh, terrific players up front. They've got terrific players up front again now with the, with the buying that they've made. So they take some beating, uh, and again, between themselves and Manchester City. But Fulham were very, very good, and they did not make it easy for Liverpool. Uh, one last one then to wrap up, John. Uh, Leeds United, I know at the end of last season you were very concerned about relegation. They managed to survive. Uh, Jesse Marsh just about got the job done. He was talking pre-season about actually just a little bit of weight of expectation coming off everybody's shoulders that for the first time since he got the job, actually everyone could relax a bit and he could have proper conversations without the stress of relegation hanging over everybody. Uh, they got off to a good start last weekend. They got a win. Was there was there anything enough there to give you some hope? Uh, well, it was. they got three points, Nathan, which is which is the main thing in it. I think, uh, you know, I think Wolves had a few chances. I think their, their manager was, wasn't happy that uh, uh, they were beaten. Um uh, I think it, I think it still could be a long, hard season for Leeds. Don't we get they sold two of the best players, mm. Nathan? You know, Phillips has gone to Manchester City and uh, Ravinho has gone to is it, uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. I mean, it, it's very difficult to do what they're doing. I mean, if you sell two of your best players, um, then you're not you're not buying in the same caliber of player. You know. Do you know what I mean, Nathan? Like they 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 got a hundred million in, and they're they're spending for, for, say fifty million, half the money out. Well, you know, you want to have geniuses in the mm. club, uh, getting the players in and getting the players out to make that successful. You want to have you want to have some uh, spotters. I mean, they, they, these are two of the best players. They sold for I think a hundred million between them. 
I don't think he spent anywhere near 100 million to replace them, Nathan. No, uh, that's for so sure. So you want to have good, a good guy there to be able to sell two of your best players uh, and do better with players who you wouldn't regard, wouldn't expect to be as good as the ones you've sold. You know, the best way to do I mean, I think the best way for Leeds or for any club was to do was to keep you two of your best players and buy in two, two really, really top-class players to help them on. Not to sell, tell, sell two of your best and then hope that the four players, I think they brought about four players in, uh, are going to be better than the two you let go. Yeah, the one... So it's, the, like one... He's got a, the, new, the manager's got a big job on, let's put it that mm. way. I mean, they got a good win, it was a good start, good three points to get going, but it's a long, hard season, Nathan. Uh, the one boost for them is that Patrick Bamford is back and has had a full yeah. pre-season and looks fit, and he really yeah. is a game-changer. Yeah, he's, he's a biggie for them, there's no doubt about that. And they went all last season without him. And he's their leading goal scorer. So that, that is a big plus for them coming in. So we'll wait and see, Nathan. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for them. Uh, they got a good start. They got three points off. So that's a start. But uh, like in principle, I can't see how you can sell two of your best players, get $100 million in, and then spend $50 million. Mm. You know, it's, uh, the, 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 the people who are doing it would want, want to be very, very good could, uh, uh, planners and spotting players. Yeah. More than good, Nathan. I think so. Uh, they're playing Southampton on uh, this Saturday. Uh, John, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thanks, Nathan. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Don't miss Brentford versus Man United on Saturday Night Football. Live only on Sky Sports.